0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome to Radical Early Retirement. I'm John, and we're talking about episode 14 Bitcoin Basics for Beginners. So, I'm gonna keep this one pretty light, I don't want it to go too long of an episode, so I'll just preface this by saying it's for like super beginners. You know, the most exposure you maybe had was like hearing about it in the news or you hear you know, cryptocurrency and, and you get kind of like, oh man, it's so devious type of idea. This will help demystify some components of it for you. Anyone who's a little more familiar, it will feel a little bit rudimentary, rudimentary, <laughs> but it is done that way by design, because we want to get some people on the same page. I want to make sure people have some exposure to this space because I'm a firm believer that this decade basically between 2020 and 2030 we're going to see massive growth and a big shift to something called web 3.0 and understanding this will help you especially in your radical early retirement future so stick around let's take a quick break and i'll dive right into this here all right so the ultimate thing to understand here is we need to say to ourselves what is money and Man, money is is interesting. In my opinion, money's fake, I guess you can say. <laughs> if you really think about it, it's very imaginary. Uh, but let, let's really consider like at its more fundamental level, like when money was created, why? And And really, if you think about this, money is simply just an accounting system. right? It, it's an accounting system because it's just a way of knowing like who owns what, who has what. And who owes what to who, you know, it's really those three, th- th- three things. It's like, what does someone own? What does someone owe? And what, what do they own? You know, what are they, what do they have? And, and so that's really, it. it's just an accounting system and, uh, that's all that money really, really is. So if you needed, if you needed like a deeper understanding here, you know, as we, as we delve deeper, like to the earlier days of money and its creation, um, you really needed someone who could be like the central issuer, um, a party that was like very trusted in keeping that, that sort of accounting system or that ledger. And you needed that party to be someone who could guarantee what that the money that was presented was real, right? Like this is a dollar and it's backed. This is $10 and it's backed, right? Like it, you can trust that that is what the value of of this piece of paper is or this amount of gold or something along those lines. So for hundreds of years we went by this system and we had governments be the issuer of the the issuer and the backer of money. And you know, in its more like fundamental sense, that is exactly what Bitcoin is. Really that's that's all it is. You know, you, you hear about everything and you hear all these fancy, like things that are hard to understand, but no, just break it down. at simplest core. All that money is, all that Bitcoin is, is an accounting system. And all that money is, is an accounting system, right? It's a way of recording transactions. And it's just basically a very highly nuanced spreadsheet. That's all that you have with Bitcoin or some other types of cryptocurrency. Um, So <clears throat> in a sense, we need to understand like where Bitcoin came from, what was the the idea or purpose behind it, and you know what are some fundamentals of Bitcoin, like what makes it tick, what makes it quote unquote valuable to to certain people. And so we really need to think about when it started. It started in 2009, so January 3rd, 2009. That's when Bitcoin came online. That's when the first block was created in mind, And there was like a libertarian cypherpunk movement that had been going for a while, Uh, ever since the digital age started. There were some people trying to create like digital money in the past, like in the nineties and two thousands. It wasn't really until the financial crisis in 2008, there was a big lack of trust with the banks. You know, you had all these like really, uh, these officers at banks, do some real shady stuff and no one went to prison right like how does that feel if your money (laughs) like these are the arbiters of your your hard-earned dollars you know what I mean so I can understand where where this had come from it it makes a lot of sense for me Um, but the the key thing that we had run into is a big issue of like you know why can't you trust a single-point failure type of of situation And that's exactly what bitcoin sort of solves so in a way you run into something called the blockchain and the blockchain is a component of bitcoin and all it is in the in this blockchain is you have these miners that are sort of upholding a decentralized network and all they're offering is basically they have an internet connection they have very strong computing power to to run calculations and they're uh, basically pointing their power towards a certain network and in this case it's bitcoin and by doing this they're actually mining to create a block and if you do solve for a block then your your reward is done in bitcoin so let's dive this in a little further right we just talked about if someone's a miner their goal is to get blocks because they get rewards in that coin but what a block is is a blockchain so you start getting these blocks And they start building on each other and that creates the blockchain. And really all this is, is literally just a ledger, right? So we just talked about the accounting problem, the the situation. So whenever someone transfers a Bitcoin, it's recorded on the open ledger. And as it is, these blocks start getting created. So I can literally follow the, this blockchain all the way to the very beginning in 2009. I can see the very first transactions that ever happened. And I can follow every single one up until today or the day that you're hearing this. Um, that kind of adds some power to this open accounting ledger. Like I can't go on and see what Amazon does. I can't go on and see what Amazon or did I say Amazon, <laughs> Microsoft or parts of the government, but with something like Bitcoin, I can see everything. Okay, I might not know whose wallet is whose, and there is some an- anonymity uh, amongst that, but I can see exactly where the money flow goes. And so that's very powerful. Okay, now the other thing we need to realize is what makes this blockchain so secure and so powerful is that all of these miners carry the same amount of information, meaning there's a transaction that happened, right? Let's just say I sent money today. Well, every single network participant in Bitcoin, it will show on all of their, their, like on the chain, on the blockchain, all of them will have this and all of them will confirm that transaction. And what will happen at that point is if there is ever, say, another computer that tries to spoof it or create bad data, it won't matter because the majority consensus wins. Because they're all saying, hey, we show this as the transaction, not whatever that bad data looks like. And because of that, we're going with this for, for the chain, and that secures the blockchain. All right? So I know that's hard to exactly understand, but instead of things being on someone's server, and that could be hackable or it could be a, a big issue, The solution for that was put it on every single computer that's participating, make it completely open source, right? So there's a lot of really strong power to that. It's almost like independent, but with consensus. (laughs) And that solves something that's called the Byzantine Generals Problem. And that's something that I don't really want to get into today because I think it's a little deep. But if someone is familiar with that, or if you want to look it up, the Byzantine general's problem. It explains it very deeply and it makes a lot of sense. Okay, now a couple things, let's talk a little bit about more how Bitcoin is or what it is. Satoshi Nakamoto is a very anonymous, quote unquote, creator of Bitcoin. Even to this day, we don't know who Satoshi is. I don't think we ever will truly know. Uh, There was a group, um, there still is a group actually of developers around Bitcoin. So it seems likely that maybe Satoshi is one of them. But I I digress, it's not too big a deal because Bitcoin is truly a decentralized platform. It started at zero, you know, Satoshi mined four million Bitcoin. So he's the earliest miner and collected a lot by doing that. Uh, So he does control a lot of power, but his wallet has been pretty inactive ever since. I mean, there's been very low activity in that wallet. So the other thing, too, is since there's never been like a set of pre-mined or pre-owned Bitcoin, there's only 21 million Bitcoin that will ever be created. Satoshi owns 4 million of that. Some people have actually lost their Bitcoin. So it's really safe to say like we might be somewhere in the realm of maybe 15 to 16 million Bitcoin uh, when everything's said and done um, here's the thing that's nice about it though there is a lot of questions like hey that's not a lot of bitcoins like can that really support the world if if the world transacts on bitcoin um, the truth is yes it can go up to eight decimal places so there is plenty of divisibility within bitcoin and plenty enough to go around i think the real thing that's interesting about this and that's that's what's key for some people is that you'll never go past you can't copy you can't Create, you can't modify and like mess with a Bitcoin. It's very secure. And then we'll never go past 21 million printed ever. And so that is much different than, say, the US government, where we are printing trillions, you know, every year and just basically going into more deeper, deeper debt from that. We're just kicking the can down the road, basically. But with something like this, there is some power. It is very deflationary. And even in the U.S., I mean, gosh, I think in 2021, I think we're something like 10 or 11% inflation. That's the highest it's been like 40 years. So that's a pretty big deal, something to consider. Now, the other thing that is interesting to me is there's these miners that uphold the network, and it's gotten so industrialized now that you're seeing like these big, massive uh, farms, you're seeing so much energy being used to mine Bitcoin. But here's the craziest thing. 10 years ago, I can't even believe this, but like you could literally mine a block of 50 Bitcoin. And I mean, you could mine it with a laptop. Like that was insane. So what are we at? We're at about $45,000 per coin right now. So if you want a block with just your like i5 laptop <laughs> uh, that was 2.25 million today so that's something to think about and who knows maybe if Bitcoin continues to go higher maybe it goes to like 100k that's like 5 million um, in Bitcoin so that's kind of crazy 5 million in US dollars I guess uh, in terms of owning that 50 Bitcoin but every four years there's a having cycle within Bitcoin. So four years later in 2013 the block reward for someone who solved the block, is 25 bitcoin who at whatever miner now in 2017 12 and a half bitcoin and actually current present day we're at 6.25 bitcoins per block and basically the average block time in someone who solves and wins a block for bitcoin it's about 10 minutes sometimes it might be five sometimes it might take like 15 minutes but anyone who's participating in securing the network and mining bitcoin does have a shot at winning bitcoin basically in this sense. So that's where the power is especially because you don't have to sign up, you know, you don't have to fill out an, a form and have like some gatekeeper like I can't say oh you're not allowed to to mine. The real true beauty here is if you have an internet connection, you got compute power and you got the capabilities to, you know, set it up boom, you are now part of a decentralized network. And that's why I do uh, crypto mining, but I don't do Bitcoin, I do in a weird roundabout way. I'll explain that in the future, but uh, it's very powerful because you're basically using some electricity, you're using some graphics cards or some type of specialized hardware, and you're earning coins basically daily. And you're either speculating that it grows in the future or figure out ways to allocate those funds. So that's kind of where I'm at. It's really nice though, because it's passive. They're my best workers. They don't complain. <laughs> they don't call in sick. Uh, you know, they work hard every day. They work while I'm sleeping. Um, so that's why I'm a big fan of crypto, crypto mining. But I do think it's truly the future. So I'll save that for another episode in the future. But I hope this was a helpful way to at least get some understanding of Bitcoin and actually you know what before we close out i just want to explain some use cases so it, it can make more sense or maybe there's some ways to do some more uh, research or thinking on so i would tell you this like my favorite thing about this is the fact that it is completely decentralized there is no bank of america or wells fargo or anything that's managing this um long story short when i was 16 i opened up a bank account i was pretty pumped because i'm like oh, i'll be able to you know build my credit and everything Uh, come to find out, you know, literally 10 years later, I was always wondering like, why are my friends getting like better, uh, better credit limits than me and things like that. Like I've had my account longer than them and I come to find out the person who entered my info, entered my social security wrong. He flipped the two digits in the middle. So whoever else that was, you're welcome. You got really great credit from me. And for some reason I wasn't able to, and that was something that really frustrated me seeing that and same thing. Like even nowadays you're seeing like um, places get hacked. Target got hacked. That's a single point of failure. Um, We're seeing like the PlayStation store got hacked a long time, like PlayStation online and Sony, you know, Sony's cloud services, all that stuff. Like if you're running your business off of their cloud, I mean, you were down and out for like three or four months, right? That's a big deal. Whereas when we get to something like a decentralized network where everyone's participating for individual goals, but for the whole, um, it's, there's something really beautiful about it. Like it can't go down. <laughs> you know, like you are all supporting one another in, in a way. And it's unhackable. You know, it's kind of cool. Like it's a really neat thing. It's a weird concept that I'll definitely explore deeper with people, but uh, I just, I've never had trust now with banks after seeing that, like just someone getting paid minimum wage. They didn't care about me. They just wanted to get their account in and they didn't even care that it was done right. You know, that was really frustrating. So that's one key thing I think is important about crypto. The other one is like say remittances. So I think most of us in the U S we kind of come from a more privileged mindset where we've never had to deal with this. So it's not a big deal. But think about more third world or poorer countries. They, they have a few issues here. One, they probably have a not very stable currency because they might have corruption within their government or their central bank. And that doesn't help. It just creates crazy inflation or it creates a, it devalues their particular dollars. And then think about maybe if they have family that works somewhere in a different country and they're trying to send money back to them. Well, for them, usually that costs a lot of money. If you're trying to wire transfer, I mean, it'll cost like 40, 50 bucks. If you're trying to send a remittance back, maybe it's like 15, 20. It really depends on who you send it through. But if you were to do this with crypto, uh, with Bitcoin, with Ravencoin, it's pennies on the dollar. And it's not necessarily instantaneous, but it is darn quick. And you don't have to deal with like the gatekeepers, the issues there. And imagine the people in that poor country, they might actually be, be holding on to something that is way more stable than their current currency and something that might be worth a lot more in that sense. So there's a lot of power to that. And that goes even beyond the idea of how powerful blockchain is. For example, you know, if someone needs to prove ownership or rights to, to a business or to land rights or their deeds, I mean, you can secure this completely on the blockchain. Super powerful. Uh, so again, I'll leave you with that for now. I didn't want this to be too long. I'll see you on the next one, and we'll talk more and more. I'm going to talk about more cryptos, more speculative stuff. That if it pays off well, uh, man, I'm gonna be, we'll be sitting pretty. So I'll explain the details on that that type of setup and my mining operation. Mining is the best. Like these guys don't complain. <laughs> They're my best employees. They just they mine for me 24/7 while I'm sleeping they don't call in sick, you know, it's great. So passive income through mining is very feasible and very powerful. And best part when it's winter, you get heat from it. I love it. So, all right, I'll see you on the next one. Enjoy the rest of your day. Take care.